when Republicans talk about election integrity, they're really talking about voter suppression. They're talking about carrying on the legacy of slavery and Jim Crow by actively disenfranchising black and brown communities through legislation like the American Confidence in Elections Act. The 2024 Republican presidential primary field is taking shape. The battle lines are becoming clearer, and so is the field of candidates. Is the odds on favorites, if you look at the polling, still Trump versus Biden? That seems to be it, but it's just way too early to tell. I'm more angry now and I'm more committed now than I ever was. Big challenge for these candidates is going to be how do they navigate Donald Trump? And, and how do they navigate Ron DeSantis? You and I have a rendezvous with destiny. Welcome back to the Ruthless Variety program. Uh, fellas, it's going to be a big show. We've got a lot of important, fun stuff in front of us, but I got to address that opener. <laughs> I mean, this, the what act? This is uh, Congresswoman Cori Bush, the mm-hmm. distinguished woman from Missouri, uh, who claims that uh, she was talking about a, a election integrity act. Mm hmm. Um, that was put forth by Republicans. They go so far, yeah, so far, as to mandate that you may show a voter ID at the polls. It's it's, it's Jim Crow. It makes it sound like it's the worst thing in the world. It, it really is Jim Crow when you're required two things to vote: an ID and be a U.S. citizen. <laughs> That's just like way bridge too far, asking way too much. But here's my like honestly, this is my question. Does someone like Cori Bush, who, look, she's a left-wing lunatic. This is somebody who was the tip of the spear for defund the police and then funded a full security unit for herself. As if anyone in the world wanted to get at Cori Bush, but she had a full security unit and then wanted to defund the police at the same time. If you could pass all that hypocrisy, uh, then you land on things like this. And I guess my question is, do you think that somebody like this actually believes that? Yes. Like, like genuinely? Or do you think it's all just a cosplay? Like, it's a, it's a part of an act in a theater production? I think for a lot of the smart ones it is. I think she's a dumbass. <laughs> I think she's straight up a dumbass. I think any election system in which she is elected to Congress does lack integrity. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think I think intentionally like a lot of a lot of like what the progressive movement is based on is is kind of forcing people to like oh you want to be part of the in group because like at this point Well that's what I'm getting yeah. at. So I think it starts off in that path but then the whole grift gets too good of like, well, now I have a, a fully funded security team. Yeah. You know, oh, I have, a, I have a pin that means I'm super special. I have to be treated very well as a member of Congress. I think then you're like, hey, well, I guess this crazy shit works for me. Well, because I always wonder. It. Let's see where this goes. Yeah, seriously. I mean, I wonder if it's in the same. I, I think it probably is in the same, the same way on the left. Is it on the right? It's like you find these things, you dig and you keep getting more and more extreme and like, you know, you get more online traffic and all these things. And the next thing you know, you're at a rally with Paul Gosar. (laughs) And like, I think I feel like that's the situation with Corey Bush is that like the AOCs and all these people who are completely crazy, no question about it. But much of what they do is theatrical. And then all of a sudden they wake up one day and it's like, oh, it's Corey Bush. It's Cory Bush. I, I mean, it really is something because th- this act basically just asks for those two things. You have to be a U.S. citizen and have ID. I mean, <laughs> that's just, it. That's she's, it. She's taken hyperbole to a new level. It is really amazing. Well, welcome back. 
Listen, folks, uh, a fun new product here. I hope you enjoyed the first show that we had on video. This was on video as well. I would urge all of you, and there's a number of you that are subscribers to our YouTube page, but you need to frequent it because this is a new medium that we're going to try to push out as much as we possibly can. If you're not a subscriber on the YouTube uh, page, go there now. Michael, is there a subdomain we should be aware of? Go to YouTube, type in Ruthless Podcast, you'll find it. <laughs> now they're just goofing on the old man. But no, look, look, it's important. Like, you know, we obviously put a lot of time and effort into this show, and we love the listeners, and we would like to continue to grow the listeners of this show. And part of that is, like, new people got to find us, right? And, yeah. you find, and, you know, people discover shows and stuff on places like YouTube and Rumble. So if you, you're able to, like, share it, and stuff on your social media it's super super helpful we'd really appreciate it and lord knows uh nobody's going to do us any favors in the algorithms not you know i don't think we're going to be uh <laughs> boosted on there to the top i don't think we'll be on the home page we any? won't get boosted oh no oh no is that your that's your grassley <laughs> that's no, it's just grassley kind of a, kinda? just a general midwestern oh no yeah but it's sort of a distinct sort of upper midwest thing that you have boosted you're so good at it <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's where i'm from i know man. i know it's where i'm from it doesn't come second but, but also we'd be remiss to not say that there will be specifically for our youtube viewers special surprises from time to time we yeah. do have special surprises so listen we've had a pack jam-packed week we're doing uh video for the first time for those of you who are looking for king of the hill we're not going to do it in this today's episode because we've got a bunch of stuff going on but maybe we do it later this week on youtube i think that'd be a nice little treat well, that's a great idea huh? we're gonna do it later this week on youtube that would be great i also think there's a lot of like the video medium gives us an opportunity to really stretch our legs the tiny tv's gone yeah, yes. no more, no more tiny TV. The wolf is built with a you, hell of a studio. I, I'm surprised to hear you concede that it's a tiny t TV um, because you. I mean, I mean, you were an ardent defender of this. I'm lying to myself. The TV is not tiny, <laughs> but it is gone. <laughs> I only said that so that our viewers would would understand what I'm referencing. Uh, but we could do so much with video and yeah. things like. Oh, gosh, we've got so many ideas. I don't want to preview all of them, but one in particular that I think is worth mentioning is, like, we're going to see a lot of ads here over the next you yep. know, six months, eight months ahead of Iowa and New Hampshire and everything. And I, I think it would be a cool little treat if we, like, previewed some of those, did a little mystery science theater, gave our thoughts and yep. feedback on it. The Wolf's got a whole thing he's working up on it. Stay tuned on that, but you'll be able to find it on YouTube and Rumble. I love this. Yeah, I think Fantastic. it'll be I think it'll be awesome. And I also, it's pretty exciting that there's video of an in-studio interview today. Yes. Yeah. That's a pretty big deal. Yeah, it's the first one. It's the first one. It's a very worthy customer here. We're talking about Congressman Morgan Luttrell. Many of you have been become familiar with him because of his stories in Navy SEAL. He's an incredibly impressive individual, uh, just a patriot beyond all patriots. But he came in for the first time on the Ruthless Variety program today in video yeah. in our studio. Well, so it's also weird just... Uh you know, this is sort of a behind the scenes thing because now we're on video. So like you can't do things and like get up and go to the bathroom in the middle. Of <laughs> yeah. the, you know, and I know if yeah. I have to leave to go to a meeting, professionals I'm gonna, don't get I'm going to get leave. I'm going to get goofed on. Well, but I'm interested to see how the wolf handles this interview because we're actually in different chairs than we were during the interview. Are we going to get a cross dissolve? What's going to be the animation? The Wolf's got some a uh, little bit of work there, dude. A little magic, a little movie magic, a little movie magic. Mm -hmm. Maybe you should just do a stroll across as you're accustomed to doing. 
<laughs> Just, I, like I'm a like I'm a ring girl. Well, yeah. <laughs> We, we do a screen wipe of Duncan yet again, just bolting from the studio. And now, and now our interview. It's, uh, it's, just me, it's, it's me in a banana hammock. It's, du- yeah, it's Duncan and a tea backer just walking across. I think that's right. I think that's the right move. Jeez. Your mom uh, listens to this program. I know. She just texted me, and, and I said this to, to the wolf before we recorded, but I want to share publicly how much she is pleased with the production you've put together, pal. It's really incredible. She said she was watching it on the TV. It was like, uh, you know, 1080p, as they say. High yeah. resolution. Yeah. A high resolution yeah. thing. Yeah. Nothing better than the old man. In and 1080p. look, she doesn't just toss around compliments. Mrs. No. Duncan is a, she, she's a stickler. She she's a real well, ball buster. Yeah, she's a stickler. Yeah. But, he, but look, he's a very handsome guy. He's super handsome, and there's no question about it. And the one thing that he's better at than anyone else in the world is selling merch. How are we doing, sir? We're doing good. We're doing good. Um, I bought some, Michael. I'm just okay. So, just so you <laughs> Here know. he goes again. Just so you know, I bought some last Friday night. You I, talked about I, it. You already did this. I know. Yeah, you did. You already did this. I bought a pullover. I bought some koozies. Yeah, congratulations. I a cup. But are you, you kidding me? <laughs> Michael, I bought it. You said we have to buy it, so I did that. And, and you know, I also, yet again, I got to say, I love seeing folks then in their photos. Yeah. their merch arriving oh. it's like super professional it even comes with like <laughs> ruthless packaging like this is some amazing stuff dunking yeah. it together real packaging it's, it's great merch I mean I can't take credit for it the team it's team effort Smug have you purchased any of our gear I have I've gotten my own merch from it because there's you, you Smug have. 2024 merch you just, so I gotta support myself <laughs> You got the mer- the mer- <laughs> always a selfless man. Anything with my name on it, I am the first in line. The team. But, to, but, but Smug, to your point, last weekend was full of pictures from yeah. people who were showing like they were grilling out. They had a beer with the koozie. They totally. Had, they, it was awesome. Yeah, yeah. and, and I'm going to love seeing that all on the road because we're hitting the road big time during this election cycle. So you got the merch. I'll see you out there. Yeah, dude, we're going to make it. We're gonna, we have so many fun announcements. Yeah, I can't yeah. wait. They're coming soon. Listen, people, this is going to be incredible. This is a summer, not of just violence. <laughs> hey, this will finally be a summer of not of violence, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. We've had a bit too many of those. <laughs> not just of violence. All right, uh, as we start every Thursday, let's do some five stars. Where's the voice when we need him? Okay, this first one comes from Satisfied Listeners 1. Uh, titled, Of All the Options, Easily the Best. Mm. Satisfied listener one writes, Of all the thousands of politically focused podcasts in the world, I can easily recommend this one above all others. Wow. First, I want to make clear that I did not find these guys through Megan Kelly. <laughs> <laughs> it's worth pointing out. Mm. I cannot explain enough how little Megan Kelly had to do with me finding the podcast. <laughs> Which is which is a great bit because so many of our listeners, you know, thanks, yeah. shout out to Megan Kelly. We're very found grateful. Us through it. We're yeah. very grateful for Megan. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I found Megan Kelly because of these guys. Oh, there you go. Okay. Hey, it's, all right. So we added one in the other column. It's a two way street. <laughs> That's it. Like so, right we gave you tied. one. You're right welcome, Megan. You're welcome. You're welcome. <laughs> if we're honest. Most political podcasts are very hard to listen to. They talk about really important things that tends to lead to, especially to the, on the conservative side, defeatism and angst. But these guys beat the mold by being constantly hilarious and talking about serious subjects with a sense of humor and an eye towards a better future. That's right. That's nice. They aren't the only political podcasts I listen to, but they are by far the best. 
If nothing else, they're preparing us for the rising animal menace. Well, that's your that's your bailiwick. Yeah, I'm very glad they're listening to that because yeah. one of the most important messages that we deliver on the show. Unquestionably. Uh, the rising animal menace that other podcasts won't even touch. Keep the faith, <laughs> hold the line, own the libs, and God bless. Oh, what a great that's review. Dead. I love that review. <clears throat> I like the idea that Satisfied Listener was taken so they had to go satisfied listener one yes <laughs> yeah that which, is solid which, you know, it tells me we've had a, a couple of these i love that i love that, I love that. too yeah <laughs> smuggles worth yeah no it's seriously it's two it's the, the whole two. we have two satisfied <laughs> yeah so this is from ldub 108 big fan of the program it says Ruthless that flies hopefully off, hopelessly off the rails is the best kind of ruthless. Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. Don't want to tell us this one. Uh, I had to listen to... Where's the, the bourbon? Yeah. <laughs> Got to give them what they want. Uh, I had to listen to the 300th episode twice. I was laughing so hard through it. I'm a day one listener. Thank you so much. Who found Megan Kelly's show through yours. Wow. What? Mm-hmm. This is a pattern. This wow. Is. Through yours and didn't realize how hooked I'd become until the post Memorial Day show was released a few hours later than normal and it thoroughly ruined my morning commute. Once again, <laughs> once again, Megan, you're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> Keep up the great work, fellas. And for the love of God, would someone get Duncan a drink? Oh, <laughs> a shot right at Smash. Yeah. yeah. Right in his have, face. You know what? You can have mine again. Many people are saying. Look at that. He doubled up. He gave him two Juicy Lucy's. That's so thoughtful. Isn't it? They're not a sponsor, so stop saying their name. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you, Mr. Money Grumble. Unbelievable. Well, you, you bring it out of me when you, you have me bring up the merch every I know episode. I do. You know? That's what I'm trying to do. Uh, Store.ruthlesspodcast.com. There oh. we go. And what is that? Is it a subdomain? It's it's a good domain. It's a, a good domain. <laughs> a like good domain. It's a good one. It's the number one refer. Of all of our sales, <laughs> unbelievable! Just the disrespect for me. Well, you're, you're just very good at what you do. You okay, know, well, you're, you're no. Now I'm now time. now I'm seeing here in the five stars one that I'm obviously going to read because it's about me. Yep, mm-hmm. as most are. <laughs> this is uh, Maui Girl eighty. The title is "More Old Man." Yeah, no. I, I this is specifically tailored. Can you believe that? It's tailored for the old man. We used to do this to smash all the time, but now it's your turn. I don't know how old the quote old man is, but I love him more and more. <laughs> also, he's a cutie. This oh, is a boy. oh, my uh, goodness. I'm going to blush. <sighs> my goodness. You've had some talk about your guns, too. Yeah. yeah. Fellas. Yeah, he's hiding them today. <laughs> yeah, putting those guns behind the bars. I, I had to do business. Um, fellas, let him walk out when he needs to make an appointment, create subdomains, and go off the rails on all his conspiracy theories. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's it right there in a nutshell. <laughs> <laughs> that is the great, the greatest thing about our listeners, dude, is like they'll compliment you and then just like shred you to pieces. <laughs> Which is exactly how we are with each other. But but also but also if like things don't work out with Katie, Maui Girls definitely gets you, dude. He's <laughs> like, I like the crazy old guy with the conspiracy theory. Yes. This is why my wife doesn't listen. Uh, us quote old people, I'm in my early forties, so I guess I'm ancient, enjoy it. The program uh, brings laughter and wisdom in these confusing times. Keep it coming, fellas. The road to 2024 feels tumultuous, but y'all keep us feeling mm. positive. Uh, let's see what we, well, we aim that. to do. We That's do. Right. So, so, I, so I think there's way too many people in the Republican Party right now that are sort of fatalistic about everything. 
and there's like oh well just there's no chance and you know we can't you know i'm only one person what can i do and that gosh it's a self-fulfilling prophecy if you if you if you wake up every morning with that in your head you are gonna lose you are gonna do it to yourself and like i feel like you know we in our on our show try to inspire people a little bit to a little bit of hope you know there's a lot of ways that i saw this program going today the old man being the sunny optimist was definitely <laughs> not one of them. Well, you know, you 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 um, you know you, Look you at say you. nice things. You say nice things about me, and I'm in a good mood. <laughs> <laughs> Which is 100 percent what happened. <laughs> she fluffed his pillows, and all of a sudden, here he is. Oh, you know what? Everything's gonna be all right. But, but, but that is a good message. You know, it's it's time to stop worrying. Put on the happy warrior game face. This yeah. is going to be a great cycle for Republicans. And, and and thinking that you're alone is wrong because we are legion. We're the majority in this country. Let's we're go. We're the same people, and now we're going to win. 100%. I love it. Okay, so let's start with a big story of the week because I think this one deserves some context you're not going to see on Sports Talk. Um, and you're certainly not going to see. I saw this all day, by the way, on like CNN and Fox, and I don't think you get it there either. This is the story of Liv and the PGA. And for those of you who are unfamiliar with professional golf or how this is all operated, the PGA has been omnipresent uh, our entire lifetime, but well beyond that. Uh, There's been elements over the years where people have tried to break off and do new things, but it's all kind of figured out how to come back together. It has been in the era of Tiger Woods since 94. Six, basically, mm-hmm. absolutely incalculably dominant. The PGA is professional golf, and that's it. Mm-hmm. And what happened was over the last couple of years, uh, the Saudis decided to fund a Greg Norman venture for what they called Live Golf. And Live Golf's only goal was to recruit a bunch of really high-profile golfers out of the PGA to golf a different style of tournament, pay them handsomely, and be a competitor. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't really watch much golf, PGA or Live, but I've seen folks talking about this, that Live is kind of more like, you know, you let your hair down, you yeah. have a good time. Yeah, it's the party league. Yeah, They, they yeah. wear shorts, right? The like, fans was it them are, who had that... that uh, a tournament in Arizona that was supposed to be like no so the waste management so I'm glad you say that though because um, so the waste management is a PGA tour event but that that 16th it's the 16th right yep yeah the 16th hole um, where everybody parties at the waste management is sort of unique I'd the, like to think I helped pioneer that yeah I'm sure you did <laughs> Arizona State University I, I think they should carve your name into one of the bleachers I think there is no question that at least one of the grandstands ought to adorn my name yeah I think He's like so. I carve my name in there myself <laughs> <laughs> but 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 uh, to the to that point that that's that's the exception that's not the rule in the mm. pga you know the pga is sort of seen as a stodgy blue blazer sort of thing and country and li- club thing country club thing which i understand uh but live was like you know let's let's have a they have this thing called a party hole like in a lot of their uh tournaments they have a hole that is sort of designated the same way as that waste management event where there's like people partying everybody's drinking people throwing even, even the golfers like you know you can crack a beer uh, or is it more of like the, the stance? I mean, I the go- there's yeah. real money at stake. Let's not get... Yeah. The, for the competition it's not itself, right. John Daly. The, actual, it's not like- the actual prize money in a live tournament is, in some cases, double 
what, what, what just, you would get out of a regular PGA event. Just yeah. to put a number on that, okay, Harold Varner Third won the tournament in the D.C. metro area. It was at, at Trump. the Trump National Golf Course. It was a couple weeks ago, and on Sunday he won the tournament and took home $4 million. <gasps> okay, John Rahm won the Masters tournament this year. The biggest golf tournament, the most prestigious thing in the world. And he made $3.2 million. Wow. Right. So there's a lot of money changing hands. There's a lot of good ideas behind Live, and it's laid back, and there, it does a lot of things that sort of like answer the call of complaints for years and years of, about the PGA. But the execution is not necessarily at the same level that PGA execution. Yeah, it's not, it, it's not a PGA Tour event. But, but I will say, the organizers have done a nice job. And what they did more than anything is they recruited Brooks Kepka. Mm-hmm. And Brooks Kepka was going through a downturn in his career in 2021. And he was injured and whatnot. He had been one of the most dominant golfers in all of the PGA over the previous five years. He'd won three majors. And they recruited him over there along with like Dustin Johnson, right? Phil Mickelson, big household names. And all of a sudden, Brooks gets his game back. And he gets second at the Masters and then wins the PGA. Because the PGA vowed to keep all of golfers who joined Live out of their tournaments, but they couldn't keep them out of the majors, the four major tournaments, because you qualify for them based on either winning it or getting a top five or top ten finish in previous years. Yeah, you can't keep the guy who came up, you know, runner-up at the Masters out of the PGA Championship. Mm-hmm. You can't. Even though, you, gosh, you know they would have loved to. They would have loved to, yeah. but he wins, yeah. right? So it became inevitable that at some point they were going to have to figure this thing out one way or another. Now, in D.C., this became a super political thing because the PGA saw their best argument against live golf as anti-Saudi. Right. But this is this is an effort of the Saudis to what they called sport sports washing, right? That's what that's what they said. They're it was laundering sport- public opinion through this golf thing and and that helps them in PR. Which was all kind of a creation and and, and well done yeah, in I mean, many ways I, by the PGA. Right. Yeah. And, and but I I mean I think that's a stupid ar- argument, but continue. Yeah, no. So so they've made this argument that you the Saudi funded league is basically trying to sports wash a bad reputation of you know funding terrorism uh they had 9-11 families that were speaking out against it there was uh the protests over jamal khashoggi with the washington post uh, editorialist who was uh killed all of this kind of stuff to to basically try to say that all of the golfers that were going from the pga to live were had blood on their hands yeah and this was a a cold calculated move to just take the money when in reality if you listen to some of these guys who went over there like you know case in point harold Warner the third he said i grew up with no money i'm literally i'm going to this league because they're paying me a boatload and and, and this that's is why a, I'm doing a, a lot of this is I think the PGA probably took this tack because they knew journos would run with this they, because there's nothing journos care about themselves and they've made uh, uh, this all about themselves that oh wow you know how can you back Saudi Arabia who killed a journalist and where was that moral outrage and indignation 
when Joe Biden fist bumps MBS. Right. Like the Biden administration signed a like multi-billion dollar weapons deal with Saudi Arabia. I remember when we did this previously on the yeah. show, it was like, all right, so how do you how do you reconcile those two things? And they just don't they just operated out of ignorance. Right. It, the fact that people don't know that the Biden administration mm-hmm. as every previous administration has right, done right. entered into a weapons agreement with the Saudi Arabians that they didn't know somehow that like two thirds of the investment funds that for, fund your 401ks and your retirement savings have massive Saudi Arabian yeah, investment like, like all of those things are very much a fact but the PGA used that yeah. to try to just make this the other they, they they're they're 100% banked on the fact that the public is not aware of the whole macro mm-hmm. look at what this is. To begin with, why does Saudi Arabia have so much money? Well, they've got a lot of oil. And who buys oil? Americans. We put it in our cars, right? And why do we do that? Because we shut our own shit down. Well, bingo. Mm-hmm. We used to be energy independent, but hey, now we're not because of the Biden administration. Anyways, so that money then goes into what? Uh, uh, making golf tournaments that Americans can enjoy? <laughs> It seems like a better use than like the taxes being put on my gasoline, you know, like, hey, okay. Or like you funding know. a madras. You know? It's certainly better than 9-11, <laughs> yeah. I can tell you that yeah. much. No, yeah. I mean, look, I, like, I, like, I guess what I, I'm saying is like, <clears throat> I think the PGA, yeah, I was sort of ham-fisted and they did it purposely to sort of try to drive, drive this wedge. There is a good point and there's a larger argument. You talk about like the NBA in China and all that sort of stuff. There, is, there, is, an arg- there is an argument to be made that it's like, what is what is our moral imperative when it comes to sports and patriotism? That there is a legitimate argument to that, I think. And, and I think that's the thing is being able to separate that is is huge because if you want to turn a golf tournament into an argument about global geopolitics, then it's like okay, well, if we sell arms to Saudi Arabia, they're basically just pointed at Iran who builds bombs to kill our soldiers around the world. So yeah. I think that's probably a net benefit. But but also, all right, read the sponsors on your favorite golfer's hat. Right. Right, do that. And and then you can make it. I mean, the problem is... is that I'm, we, all, all, all I'm suggesting is it is more complicated than it's just... It's much, you know much what I mean? more complicated. That, but but the media does not, does not deal in complication. The media deals in narrative. And what's yeah. the narrative that they want to drive? And what is it that they, they're going to use their paper like a blunt force instrument? Mm-hmm. And nobody in the audience matters. Yeah. Everybody's, everybody's ideas, everybody else who has a different opinion, be damned. They I have, think the biggest issue, though, honestly, was that the PGA commissioner, Jay Monahan basically put a red line down where he said when would you when have you ever had to apologize for being a professional golfer unless you're a live golfer and and he made it seem as though this is basically a blood money situation and they drove a very hard line banning people from events making sure that the points they accrued during live didn't qualify for tournaments in the pga all that stuff and it was a war a full war which yeah. I understand. I mean, the guy's trying to protect his product. But at the end of the day, then, they're like, surprise, we merged. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, so all of that wind up is to say the big news was live in the PGA are merging, which is, yeah. after all this, after all this, it shows how garbage this attempt at a moral high ground is. Right. Because always, at the end of the day, it's down to the dollar. And also just how, how PR works. 
how PR work, and this was a political argument. The reason we're bringing it up at the top of our show is because this was a political argument that was happening in Washington, D.C. There are people in Washington, D.C., well-known operatives that we deal with on a day-to-day basis that were hired and fired based on their association with Liv because it became a dead letter, because it was association with what the narrative that the PGA had built about people who should be associated with Liv. And they got fired off campaigns, presidential campaigns. And it's all nonsense. Mm-hmm. It's all nonsense. And also... Like, you want to go talk go, go talk to Northrop Grumman about yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Right? right? Go, t- go talk to any of the defense manufacturers in this country about how they feel about Saudi contracts. Well, in, in sort of... Uh, <laughs> They're, they're the like, one, by the way, they're the ones sponsoring the fucking golf tournament in the first place. Right. They're like, <laughs> right? Yeah. They're like so, we believe Saudi Arabia has a great vision for innovative <laughs> weapon systems. <laughs> it's nonsense. It's bullshit. If you got captivated by this argument that somehow these live golfers had blood money on their hands because they left the PGA to go take Saudi Arabian money, you were wrong. Mm-hmm. You look dumb. Rory McIlroy looks like a fucking idiot. Right now, yeah, defending the PGA, and 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 sort of like ironically, it's proof that competition is good. Like like that's the thing we should. They demonstrably improved the PGA's product. Right, they forced the PGA's hand to create more elevated events with higher purses that got the top players in golf to show up at tournaments they normally wouldn't show up at. Yeah, right. Improved the product at, at the PGA. Right now with this merger, I assume. We're also going to be exporting the game of golf to a lot of places that have been wanting to see tournaments that like the PGA, for whatever reason, probably because it was basically a monopoly, not maybe legally, but in the marketplace it was, that they didn't care about those people. And like Liv clearly showed an interest in broadening the game out into the rest of the world. It's like, that's kind of what competition is, and that's what we should be cheering about. I'm going to add Liv a bit here, because I think... This draws a larger point that we got to at the end of the last program where we were talking about climate change. The last vestige of the left, if you watch it over and over again, where you're dealing with either transgender sports or you're dealing with climate change, the last vestige is this is the way it is. If you disagree with it, you are X. Yep. Yeah. And then you do the math on it and you're like, well, that doesn't make total sense because these people say why. Yeah. And they're like, no, 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 you believe X. We all believe X. Because if you don't believe X, it's not true. And, and it becomes a, a, a pressure moment where they use corporate America and everything else to yeah. try to reinforce a narrative that they've created that's not necessarily true. Mm-hmm. Like, how about the fact that the PGA has sponsors up the wazoo that are funded at the hilt by Saudi Arabia, but yet they're the ones that are, the, that are saying basically that Saudi Arabia right. is is a blood money operation, right. but they're but taking only, the money. Right. It's only no. a blood money operation because they didn't pay the toll to the PGA. Because they didn't that's pay it. the toll. That's, yeah. that, dude, it, oh, that's perfect. Yeah. Right? That is essentially what the, the left does. Yeah. And that's, like, but, hey, the PGA's got a similar business. <laughs> dude, it's true. It's true, but that, but I think that's I think that's the way they formulated it. Yeah. It's not a bad PR plan. I mean, if you look at climate change, for example, I mean, there was a study by... Our favorite big pain ass mm-hmm. this week. It's the, just called pain ass. The proceedings of the National <laughs> Academy of Science. Yeah, it's big pain asses for those of us who like to shorthand it. Um, where they were talking specifically about how there is global cooling going on in the upper atmosphere. Uh oh. 
Oh, oh no. Oh, no. See, I mean, and that's oh. the hot... That, isn't, it, isn't it cold in the upper atmosphere? The, oh, the climate grift Well, is, I thought it was, it was only warming. It, 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 that's the thing is, because they figured out that, like, they couldn't push this BS about, oh, it's only warming. Well, why is it being cold in some places? Uh, that's global cooling in those parts. It's like heads I win, tails I win. Like, they oh, have no, to have both serious. sides of the argument. Like, but that's uh, science. Yeah, but, but if it gets hot or it's cold, it's humans. Some, <laughs> something that we have talked about over and over and over on this show is that it, the left does not care about the environment. This is not about clean air. This is not about clean water. This is about power. This power. is about them exercising control over your daily life, making you eat bugs, making you get rid of your gas stove, Kill making you get rid of the car cows. that you like to drive to work. Yeah. Kill the cows. Yeah everything they hate you they want to control your life and they want to be in charge i mean it, it's all this is just it completely interconnected it's the same thing as like john Kerry will say we need to worry about climate change while he takes a pj cory bush <laughs> will say we need to defund the police she gets herself a private security system pga is like this is blood money but also our sponsors get their money from the pga <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but that's the thing but they what they rely on is you to do no research mm -hmm. to you to not think for yourself even one iota but but also the bullying of the entire corporate and well-meaning society to ensure that you're not going to get out of line mm -hmm. you can't possibly say if you're if you're a individual in corporate america and you walked into your boardroom and you're having conversations with somebody or even, you know, executive management. You're talking with somebody and you're like, you know, I don't, I'm not sure global warming exists. Your job is pretty much fucked. The room empties. I mean, everybody's going to be like, right. you got to be kidding me. Right. Like, don't associate with that. You're guy. not even allowed to ask the question. You're not allowed to raise a different point of view. It's like, here is our talking points. Here is our belief system. If you don't sign on the dotted line and believe everything that the left believes, you are over. Like, it is, it is the most anti-American sentiment that exists in the world today. It totally is. And we is. have to root it out. One thing I, I want to touch on specifically in this instance is, can we give, for folks like myself who haven't followed the situation as closely, can we give ballpark numbers on what these contracts were like that Liv was giving out? Like I, I just well, we I quickly googled it. There was a person who pulled down a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Well, and they signed it in August, and the merger happens in June. It's pretty good for eight months of work, dude. I have to imagine that part of the deal that the PGA did with Liv was to ensure that all the people who rejected the can't the the contracts that Liv gave were made whole on the contracts that they denied out of loyalty. If that's not the case. If that's not the if Rory doesn't get like five hundred million dollars out of this deal, and if Tiger doesn't get eight hundred million dollars because he rejected it out of loyalty to the PGA, oh boy, they, oh boy! I, I bet they won't. Do you know why? Because now the PGA is the only game in town again. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. What are you gonna do? Go start your own league? I just don't know how. I, <laughs> Someone try that. <laughs> but I just don't know how like Jay Moynihan survives that. I mean, it, Jay Moynihan's a nice commissioner. I'm sure he does a great job. But like Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods says it's time, pal. It's time. Yeah. Right? I, I, I just feel so bad for him. I mean, everyone knows his wife ruined his life. <laughs> I, I, like he was, he was winning every tournament. Every tournament. She, like, attacks his car with the golf clubs, and it all just, like, spirals from there. I'm not worried about Tiger Woods, dude. He's going to be on the range with shakes, and he's going to have, like, falcons and falconers retrieving his ball. <laughs> <laughs> That would be a good touch. Also, yeah. also, I'd be a nice little addition to the game. I didn't it? see specific. <laughs> I didn't see specifics on this, but apparently, so like uh, Lionel Messi 
French soccer player? No, Argentinian. Argentinian? Okay. I'm a, not a big soccer yeah. guy. Jeez, but listen, Argentina, that's okay. He plays, that's for, okay. he plays for PSG. It's a French team. So, so uh, it's all the same. He he signed. He's offered a deal mm. that's for what, like one billion dollars mm. in a Saudi? Is it a Saudi soccer league? Yeah, Saudi league. And he turns it down to play in Miami. How about that? But here's the thing: is then I saw details of why he did this. Mm-hmm. Is he's being made whole by he's getting a piece of the action of uh, Apple is bought a contract. For that soccer league, oh, so wow. he's getting a percentage of that. Oh, like well, they're making him whole with all these various pieces. Good so businessman. I love that competition. The sense of it gets people paid. Mm. You know, like if you can have, if, if you're you, the best at what you do, totally, you figure out totally. how to get paid. Don't demand to have a blockade of like we will pay people less. Mm. We will have a shittier product because that's just the way it's going to be. Yeah, because then you're just the Denver Broncos. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, we, we, we get people paid. It's just the wrong people. <laughs> Which is yeah, all yet another reminder. And subscribe to YouTube, Ruthless. Yeah. Make sure that you're on watching. That's right. So we don't have to go deeply into debt. Um, listen, we got to get to the presidential. couple of really big announcements this week. We had Chris Christie, a good friend of the program, come out uh with a town hall style in New Hampshire, which I, I found quite compelling. Look, I understand that the ceiling for Chris Christie is much lower than it is for the average candidate. People have made up their minds about you know, whether or not they, they want to entertain his arguments. And it was quite hostile on social media, I'll mm-hmm. just put it that way. But if you listen to what he was saying and the arguments that he was making, um, he made some of the most direct attacks against Donald Trump that I've ever heard in the history of Trump's political career. Mm-hmm. Um, this dude, when he came on the program, told us what he was going to do, and then he went out and did it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you all know. I mean, you listen to this program first. When we asked him, would you run for president if you felt like the case against Donald Trump was being prosecuted the way it should? And he said no. And then he announced for president, you pretty much know what he was up to. I mean, that's the thing. is like, uh, if you support president trump in the primary of course you're not going to like it but if you're running for president you're got to beat everyone else who's running i mean that's just mm-hmm. how it works mm-hmm. uh i would be remiss if i didn't bring this up so the day chris christie announces as we all know uh he had that famous moment in 2016 here we go here we go stage with Marco Rubio, where Rubio starts repeating himself and Chris Christie just destroys him. Just, I mean, I, I don't need to tell everyone. Everyone's seen the video. He basically just pile drives Rubio, ends his campaign. So Chris Christie announces he's running for president. What does Marco Rubio do? This is, yet again, just like the most ridiculous idea. He tweets about it, and he says, <clears throat> this is from Marco Rubio, any political reporter slash commentator claiming Christie, quote, ended my campaign in 2016 is lazy or dumb. New Hampshire debates suck because instead of hitting back when attacked like I wanted to, I listened to advice about, quote, pivoting and not, quote, punching down on a CC who was at 7% and about to drop out. But it didn't end my campaign. After New Hampshire, I finished second in South Carolina, Nevada. Won three primaries. Almost won Virginia on Super Tuesday. Finished with the third most delegates behind Trump's historic campaign. Was reelected twice by 8 and 17 points. So, like, dude goes on Wikipedia looking up, like, margins. And he's like, but tell everyone I'm not mad. I was absolutely not mad. I'm not angry at all. And so, this, in the frame of, like, the Christie announcement, 
Yeah. This could not be a more perfect thing to happen because this tweet goes viral of everyone dunking on Rubio. Like, bro, that was like how many years ago? <laughs> like, clearly he ended you if it like haunts you this hard to this day. I, mean, I feel like the only two people in America who still care about that are you and Marco Rubio. <laughs> The funniest thing is he said he was over it. Yeah. <laughs> He's not over it. He's like, I'm completely over this, and, here's, and here's, I'm not angry. Here's, here's 300 words about how over it I am. <laughs> and so here's another thing. Is, <laughs> so here's another thing. <laughs> no, 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 I got, I got, this is inside information. Okay, good. Let's hear it. We like that on the Variety Program. A trusted program. source connected to the Christie campaign let me know that that tweet they end up, quote, retweeting it with a fundraising link, Chris Christie's campaign account. Mm. And that ends up being one of the biggest, uh, like, hours that they fundraised. Really? On, on Launch Day, dead serious. Interesting. Well, listen. Like, I the- mean, this is so great of how they, ca- like, this is going to be huge. Because we were discussing this before we recorded the other day about how one of the most important things about this campaign cycle is earned media. Yeah. Right? There's going to be so many. There's a bunch of great candidates. Everyone's fighting for attention. Like, for for a Republican primary voter, it's an embarrassment of riches. Your choices are wonderful. Great choices out there. So capturing the attention of folks is gonna be extremely difficult. Yeah. It has been extremely difficult, especially yeah. when you've got you know one of the greatest showmen who's ever lived, Donald Trump running. Mm-hmm. But this is an example of what happens with earned media. Mm-hmm. You yeah. turn it around, use it to your advantage. That was smart. It worked. Well, listen, here's my take on Chris Christie. I don't care what anybody thinks about the guy. I like him a lot personally. I think he is smart. I think he is tough. I I think he is a worthy competitor of anybody. He should be on that stage because he is somebody who's earned the right to be on that stage. Now, whether or not he's competitive or not, we're, time will tell. But that dude, if you listen to his speech, if you actually listen to it, and... You thought about his answers. And by the way, how about the fact that he had a town hall where people were asking him questions about, like, clearly from a pro-choice angle from to a pro-life candidate, how he would handle that. Mm-hmm. I mean, talk about the opposite of planted questions and yeah. planted media. Like, he took it all, which, I mean, look, say what you will about the guy. That's a hell of a quality. And, and I mean, he kind of, like, built his career off of, he will go into any audience fight for ground, make his stance known. And I mean, he's going to make everyone better. I guess that's my point. If this guy doesn't win, which it doesn't look like there's much of a chance when he gets into it that he's going to win, there is no chance he doesn't make every Republican candidate better because looking across the stage at that guy, you know he's bringing heat. That's it. Well, you do. You do. You you know he's bringing heat. But there's, I think in particular in the DeSantis camp, at least in the supporters you see online, posting about it um there's a little bit of consternation about is he really going to go after trump yeah there, you mean, know because because he didn't like he didn't go after trump in 16 he went after rubio as we've just spent his first event man I, he went after trump pretty hard that's he what went i'm after saying the kids he went after like it was well, well look i get it all i'm saying is <laughs> just is when <laughs> is when is when uh, Christie came last in in studio. I mean, I think he was. It's fair to say he was just as animated attacking Ron DeSantis as yeah. he wasn't attacking Donald Trump. Now, Ron DeSantis didn't try to kill him by giving him COVID, <laughs> uh, which, which he has some thoughts. on. He has a lot of thoughts on yeah. that. Uh, but um, so I think you know before this announcement, there's certainly a lot of people in like the DeSantis camp and those folks who are like, all right, is he really going to attack Trump or I is he coming he, for me? So well, I, if we, I love if, I love that worry because. 
and like it, it's exactly what Holmes it's said. Proof. It's every candidate has to be better. Yeah. Because Chris Christie on a debate stage, he's like the guy when you're watching like a, a, a WWF fight, he's the guy who like creeps away and the, reaches under the mat and he's got a chair. And everyone's like, oh my <laughs> God. Yeah, he, you lose gonna, sight of him and you get a chair. Somebody it, with a chair. It, it's exactly right. If last and they're night- scared, The same as people are scared, he's going to hit them with the chair. It's a chair. crazy idea. If, yes. if he's going to roll up and someone's yeah. getting the chair. If last night was any indication, he is headed full speed at every single other person he's running against. <laughs> and you guys were all 13 year old boys at one point. You all had a friend who one summer got got everybody around, made sure everyone's eyes were on them and just ran as fast as they could toward the pool and yelled cannonball and sprayed everybody <laughs> sitting on the side. And I feel like that is exactly what Chris Christie is doing. I mean, I, 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 I will say to me so far, this primary season, I think he's got a point. There hasn't been enough fighting. Yeah, fight. It's mm-hmm. got to be. It's got to be king of the hill. Well, you, you want to be the if king. Anybody says, the if anybody says, well, you did a great mm-hmm. job for four years, and I, I just, I would do some things differently. Go fuck yourself and go back to your state. Well, yeah, I'm and, not interested yeah. in any of your point of views. You play to win, or you don't play. Every, at everybody all, needs but. to start fighting. We yeah. gotta have entertainment too. Yeah. Right? I want to be entertained. And I can un- I can understand if you're listening to this and and you're a fan of a particular candidate or or you want us to all get along. I would not like to, today. I would like to disabuse you of that notion because all those arguments are coming in the general election. Yep. And so we want the candidate, regardless of who wins, exactly. the best prepared possible for taking on Joe Biden. Because if you're a Republican nominee, it's not just about taking on Joe Biden. It's the media, too. It's about taking yeah. on the corporate media. Mm-hmm. It's about taking on Hollywood. It's about, about taking on corporate America. Mm-hmm. It's about taking on academic America. Yep. It's about talking about Every single institution in this country coming all at you. So if you are trained by Chris Christie to deal with that, you're going to be in a better That's the thing. place. Yeah. I can it's, promise it's, you it's, that. It's running point. the gauntlet. You got to survive the crucible. Like Donald Trump did in 2016. He had, I mean, that was a brawl. It was a brawl at all times, that entire campaign. Then he goes to face Hillary Clinton, and he had that moment where she was like, well, uh, you know, then I guess it's glad you're not charged as the justice. Well, you'd be in jail. You'd be in jail. Power dunks on her. Power dunks. Because that's what happens is when you're tested through that fire, you end up, you're ready. You're ready for it. So whichever Republican survives through this, we want it to be a brawl. We want to be ready to fight. Totally. All right. So, uh, listen, the presidential, let me just put it this way in this week. Uh, Mike Pence also gets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, very formidable, obviously, a former vice president. Got a national profile. He has a big following. A lot of people are interested in his candidacy. Um, he is clearly aiming towards Iowa, uh, perhaps to make a moral case mm-hmm. for himself and against sort of the previous four years that he was a part of. Uh, he put out a video. It was very Mike Pence. Everything seemed like it was telling his story. Uh, what do we think, fellas? Is he is he a serious contender here? Well, he he clearly has a still has a big following in the evangelical community, um, you know, which is which is huge in in Iowa. Um, you know, I I th- I think you I think there's a lot of the Trump base that is uniquely unaccessible to mm-hmm. him as a candidate because uh, because because he didn't have didn't, the courage to do the right thing. Do the right thing. Um, I mean, that being said, though, you know, I think his voice is important in this primary process. I don't know what his his chances are. He's starting at a huge, huge deficit, obviously. Uh, but, you know, I'm from Indiana. So, 
you know, I got to cheer for it. The one thing, and, and look, we've done events with Pence, yeah. who's been on the program. The one thing I'll say about the guy is there's no chance that you can ever believe he's not genuine about the way he feels, the way he treats people, the way his family treats people, the way his family sort of is. And his family is extended to all those people in this campaign that he's around. And they all kind of operate the same way. Yeah. And that says something about a successful person in any walk of life, that they have leadership from the top. They all view things the same way. Um, They're not unpredictable. They're not sort of... Uh, you're not going to get anything strange but, but, and weird out of Mike Pence. Like you're, he's authentic to who he is. But honestly, I would like him to be a little bit more unpredictable. And I, I mean, I, I think I think people's uh, conception of, of Mike Pence is a guy who's very very buttoned up, right? And he's like he's on the talkers, and he's not going to stray from any of that. People forget this guy came up in radio. Yeah, totally. Like he was a disc jockey guy. And I would love to see a Mike Pence relaxed on the trail, shooting from the hip a little bit more, rather than being so predictable. If he's going to have a shot here, let me just say, this is my advice. If he's going to have a shot here, he can't simply claim I was very proud of the four years that I spent with Donald Trump. Because every one of those people are voting for Donald Trump. He has to drive a wedge to whatever claim or counterclaim that Trump is making either to him or to DeSantis or whoever else to say, I was in the room, pal. That's not the way that went down. You were going to do this. You were going to do that. We could have gotten a lot more and you wouldn't follow my advice. I mean, he's going to have to get into that because that's the only thing that's scintillating enough to rise beyond Tim Scott, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, to a point where people are talking about Mike Pence. Otherwise, you're just talking about another candidate with a certain set of values that may align more with an Iowa electorate, yeah. and we'll just see how the whole thing washes yeah, like out. If we were talking about um, you know pitching ten soft drinks, you would say like, "What is your market advantage?" Right? Yeah. The market advantage of Mike Pence is that he was in the room the most with the guy right and so i totally 100 percent agree if that's not something that's going to be a main feature of the event i don't see you know i don't see how it's going to and i think he kind of needs to do it pretty quick we'll see what happens but it seems to me like this is not something that you can do once you get desperate yeah like it needs to be a feature my advice to him is i think duncan's right you gotta shake it up a little bit he shows up on that debate they start asking some candidate about taxes or something like that Looks at the audience, reaches behind the podium, pulls out a steel chair, <laughs> starts walking. Everyone's like, he's got the chair. He's got a steel chair. <laughs> and then Chrissy does like a full <laughs> off the ropes. Remember the, like the, the full off the rope thing and then just bulldozes? And, and I think like that, where you test the rope first? Yeah, you got to test it. It's all part and parcel is because entertainment is a key part of this as, as Trump completely showed in 2016. You know, you have an animated... Uh, primary voter base. They want to see someone who's fired up. Totally. I would be remiss, speaking of fired up, we had another candidate who jumped in, uh, Doug Burgum. Oh, yeah. Governor of That's North right. Dakota. That's right. Uh, a couple things I wanted to say about I this. I know the Burgums. You, you, you do? I know. I okay, do. so I know. I knew very little. He seems pretty cool from what I just Googled today. Yeah. Um, number one, uh, I'll, I'll send this to the wolf for the folks watching on YouTube. 
Uh, his launch event got terrific reviews. Did you guys see any? Yeah, I did. Yeah. No, that's I mean, you, it's beautiful. That's how you do advanced work. Good advanced work. It's great stuff. So when we compare it to like the DeSantis launch of like, you know, you'd brought Yeah, that up, one didn't work. Do you we, want to have a good, that. physical, exciting like rally or do you want to try something untested? This is, I mean, th- and, and I guess North Dakota must love them. Because yeah, oh, they, they were, do. They, they, were, they were going ham. It looked great. The guy's a billionaire. And so like a, a lot of like advanced folks, folks who work in like putting together these advanced and stuff were pointing out that like, you can see, you know, yeah, real stuff. There, there's no like, you know, cheaping out on any of, of this launch event. Also, and I'll send this to the wolf for our folks on YouTube. His official portrait. Have you seen this? <laughs> yeah. Oh no, the, with the hair. This is the coolest. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, oh, it's fantastic. It's like Hold a, on. Let's get. Let's get. <laughs> it's a painting of, of Burgum. It's a painting, which he's, is he's so got solid great. flow, like good hair. Mm-hmm. And you see like Buffalo, a Microsoft mm-hmm. building. And there's another random barn. That says mm-hmm. Great Plain Software. Like yeah. the guy's got a platform. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but no, look at that hair again. I wanna I, I'm waiting for the Burgum moment. Yeah. Because it's gonna happen. Yeah. Burgum's people, people happening. People are gonna shop around. Burgum. Hey, damn you killed him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Burgum's got to come on. We'll we'll get him on the. We'll 100%. get him on. Uh, he's. I mean, my guess is if he's a North Dakota guy, he's got to be a good dude. Uh, so I'm sure he'll, he'll enjoy us. Mm-hmm. Um, listen, fellas, I think without without uh, getting too far, I got one more story that we got to cover. Okay. CNN. Mm-hmm. <sighs> they fired Chris Licht. Um, this is the most amazing thing that I've seen in media in a very long time. This network cnn which i had previous a ton of respect for we're talking about the wolf blitzer covering the desert storm we're early 90s right and there's still just incredible journalists that work there i mean there are some that are terrible it's no it's true but there are it's some true. that oh, are ashbrook's like this no fine. i mean like fine. fine it's true they do good stuff on their war right. correspondence right. there's stuff some, there there's they, still are they, some they don't make the culture of the building they just take a paycheck and do their best there may be some fine people but they created a atmosphere at CNN over the last five years that was positively toxic. Yep. That was basically beyond partisanship. It was it was disgusting. It was insanity. It was it was completely like if you turn it on at any moment, there could be some major event happening anywhere in the world, and it'd be like, well, another thing about uh, election cheating. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It and was they're like st- they're still doing it they, they, now, and they went like like beyond off the deep end on, on the Russia, Russia. Game. on Russia yeah. they were yeah. way over right. their yeah, I mean we knew we knew very I personally know and, and Smash does too one correspondent in particular who's extremely smart very good at what he does and likes to cover a bunch of different things who was told in no no unspecific terms you are covering Russia like that's mm-hmm. what you do now and he's right. like, well, if I want a job, this is what I need to do. Right. right so that's what right. he that's what he did. So anyway, all of this like results in record lows in terms of of audience. I mean, they basically created a the worst news station on the face of the planet. Instead mm-hmm. of being news, it was basically people who were addicted to the dopamine rush of hating Donald Trump. Yeah, and a bunch of potatoes, a bunch of uh, <laughs> right. And it, it and like also, the fat, the fat, f- fat fucking potato right. that 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 licked had the audacity to fire. Yeah. Who apparently had a a 
a group within mm-hmm. Still CNN. Mm-hmm. And, and who was then on TV today trying to do a victory lap. Oh, it's he's like, loving it. It's like, bro, you, you lost your job. No. But he helped, but he, but he helped cultivate it with the Oliver Darcy being on the record against his employer saying right. that this guy's a joke or whatever. Right. Like that, that's the whole thing that happened. It's garbage. So, so licked what he did just for everybody just to summarize. He had the audacity to walk into Republican offices and say that I know we got it wrong. We'd like to, the opportunity we understand we're not going to earn it overnight, but we like the opportunity to re-engage with you. Mm-hmm. And he did that with a number of people, including Donald Trump, to the point where he got him to do a town hall. Mm-hmm. Now, this whole thing unravels when Trump does the da- town hall. And immediately, the culture of the people he didn't fire creates this uprising mm-hmm. where they demand, basically, that Licht be fired. Mm-hmm. Which is, that's what this is, by the way. Right. Let's not pretend like it's something else. That's what this is. Like, he could have had a rough management style. They could have been upset about the fact that he maybe fired one of their friends, the change, and all that. I get that. It's like corporate politics, I get it. But in the end, his demise was putting Donald Trump in a town hall. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of the same as the New York Times firing that uh, editor after they published the Tom Cotton uh, op-ed, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It's like the Slack channel took over. The activists within the com- company are trying to dethrone people in management because they don't like the, they don't like giving Republicans a fair shake. They in, don't. In the absurdity of the Tom Cotton op-ed opposition, mm-hmm. in the absurdity of thinking that a guy who got 71 million votes two and a half years ago and half of the country supports him and he's the and, you, and you he's the you, front runner in the race and you can't and have he might him be on, president yeah. you can't even put him on tv like that's the sort of insanity that the average american hates yeah. and that's why they've turned the network off chris licked i'm sure he's an imperfect person in a variety of ways but the forces who are looking to shut him out and sh- to shut out objectivity are the forces that are ruining that network yeah and and also you know from from a business standpoint it's important to note a couple things. So David Zaslov, the CEO who runs uh, the Discovery Warner Brothers entity, which post-merger owns CNN, mm. owns HBO, owns a bunch of stuff. <clears throat> They're sitting on over $50 billion of debt, mm. which is more than their market cap yeah, no, that's, in the stock market. It's, it's a tough situation. One of the first things he tried doing was putting Chris Licht in there to turn CNN around and try to make it a network that – Americans will watch instead of a dwindling number of people who have some like you know mental what? problem or, or, with how, Trump. or a connection a connection to catch how much in the debt? airport how yeah. much debt fifty billion dollars with a B with a B that's more than their market cap so he's he, how do you get into that kind of mess I, I did. the good part of the mess is so why do you why are you buying stuff if you got fifty B in exactly. the hole the good part of, of for him is apparently he pulls down one hundred million dollars annually wow, that guy's so got a good deal going they're paying him hundred million to figure out how to get rid of 50 billion <laughs> doesn't make a licked of difference <laughs> to that guy though. And, 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 and that's the thing is for him so much th- th- this so ha- irresponsible that's the thing is this has to be a problem when one of your properties is apparently so on fire that someone goes in there and is like all right let's try to be more of an objective news source guys and he's run out of the building do you know what the biggest here's the biggest problem that i've got with the whole thing biggest problem I've got with the whole thing is that the impetus behind his demise beyond the Trump deal, which is what started the ball rolling, was this Atlantic profile. This 15,000 words. If you have the time 
to read a 15,000 word profile about a CEO of a media company, God bless you. Mm. God bless you. You're either in the media or you're insane. Mm-hmm. Like that, there is nobody who has the time to. I'm actually sincerely interested, and I got through the first 600 words, and I was like, Jesus Christ! I yeah, can't like it's a this. like it's a Robert Caro book. Yeah, I mean, no, I, really. mean, I got a 140 it's, character it's, limit. That, if you can't express yourself in 140 characters, it's, that's all. That's all you got. But it's all that 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 media Twitter was talking about all week was this Atlantic piece, and then he had to address all of the CNN employees about the Atlantic piece, and then he ultimately gets fired. If whatever organization you're running, I don't care if you sell mousetraps mm-hmm. or if you're in the media or you're president of the United States, if your solidarity within that organization and the group that you've surrounded you with is entirely vulnerable to an Atlantic magazine piece, mm-hmm. you deserve to get fucking fired. Yeah. Because every, the, the only mistake, as far as I can tell, and again, I'm not in the middle of this, so maybe he was a huge asshole and there's a whole bunch of reasons for it. The fact that he didn't fire fucking everyone yeah. on day yep, one. Yep. He, like, he should have just fucking clear cut the whole goddamn he place. He should have rolled up Red, right. red Wedding style because, like, right. I mean, there were, like you had said, it was a toxic, toxic place. Yeah. You had, uh, what's his name, uh, that they fired because he was texting people from burners? Don Lemon. Don, Don Lemon. Lemon's doing this for yeah. years, yeah. being a psychopath. Yeah. If, I'm, if, I'm the new guy, if I'm the new guy in charge, I'm rolling in, like, Ari Gold in Entourage with, yeah. the, with the paintball gun. Yeah. And I'm taking out everybody. Everybody's Everyone's gone. going. Yeah. Everybody's Everyone's going, which is a shame because, again, I believe there are a lot of talented people. I know that sucks for your point of view, but it is true. No, I've but they're not. Them all, but but they're listen. not allowed to do what they want to do. But then there's this Oliver Darcy, potato, fat fuck potato crew mm-hmm. that is entirely committed to a leftist agenda. That somehow you no. can't manage. And I love yeah. it. As a media co- imagine, yeah. imagine having a problem, by the way. Imagine having, expressing a problem with hosting a town hall with somebody who is at least, at very minimum, 50% shot at being the next president of the United States. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you're a fucking news organization. Right. Yep. Imagine right. having the thought process go through your head that somehow it is not newsworthy no. to have a sitting former president of the United States who could be at least 50% chance of a new president of the United States and it's not worth hearing from. Yeah. Nope, no. can't well, do it. It's, it's insane. Yeah. It's That's just insane. wild. That is wild yeah. insanity. Yeah. yeah, Like that should yeah. be run out on a wire. And, yeah. and, and I love specifically, like you'd mentioned, Darcy, who used to work in conservative media mm-hmm. And ab- like this is beyond levels of selling out. And part of what he banks on, if you're if you work at CNN and, and you're mad at him and you don't want to deal with that, go look at his old articles. There's a bu- like he used to be like, why are are men being allowed to compete in women's sports? Do you know what his coworkers will do to him if someone prints those and puts those yeah. in the, for the coffee well, machine? That's, that's how the left tried to get rid of the Trump Town Hall. Is they started digging up Caitlin Collins's old article. She's at the Daily Caller. She's she was at the journalist. Daily Caller. She's yeah. a fine journalist. You know, yeah. I mean, those are the sort of cross currents that they have to deal with in the sort of activist left at their publication or at their uh, news outlet. It's unbelievable. Anyway, we have a whole lot that we didn't get to. And uh, listen, I'm just getting warmed up. I mean, mm-hmm. I just right. wish I had another hour at this. But we got an interview. But we have an interview. We have an interview. So let's go to it. I want to welcome to the program 
a very special guest, a guy that we've been following here for quite some time, a distinguished congressman from Texas's 8th Congressional District. There it is. Morgan Luttrell. Hello. Howdy. How are you, sir? I'm good. I appreciate that distinguished comment. Yeah. That, that's good to hear. I still have it. I've only been here for six months, but I haven't lost it. We're, oh, we're being polite on the front end. I know. Hey, just wait till give me ten minutes, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's how my life. My, that's my lifestyle now. Everybody kind of eases into it, and once I I soften my posture, they tend to get a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. That's all right. Well, listen, you you've seen some shit, but I mean, you've been here for six months in Washington D.C. What do you think? I'm enjoying it. It, it's a uh, best way the best the way I describe it, it's a series of problem sets and if you're really engaged in problem solving this is the place that you need to be yeah right yeah that's good that's uh, very good I, I never take it personal and never take it home yeah um, I never make a decision inside 24 hours uh-huh. and I damn sure don't watch the news <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's why <laughs> Make the news, sanity don't watch right the news. Yeah, that's why I have my sanity still. I think that's right. I mean, given what we've seen from the news lately, I think that's a smart posture. It's it's different being on this side. Coming again, six months ago, I wasn't. You yeah. know, I was out. I was still just just regular old boy from Montgomery County, right? And um, seeing being a part of what is put out in the media, there, there's such a contrast to it. Sometimes, sometimes not. Fair enough, right? right? Fair assessment, but sometimes it's amazing, man. That the the liberties that some media <laughs> outlets take—that is not even close to what happened. But man, you guys make it exciting. This is—I mean, this is a Bruckheimer film, but because you know, I mean, look—you're a political connoisseur before you got into elected office. You've clearly watched some of this stuff. Um, did it surprise you when you got in the middle of it? There's there's some things that did. I, I really set my expectations wide, yeah. casted a wide net, just because of watching it, engaging in it as a as a grown up, yeah. if you will. And is that what we call ourselves? These I days? try. I'm almost I'm almost fifty, so I'm trying to figure out when. Uh, Clint Eastwood said it the best: "Don't ever let the old man in." That's what I'm trying not to do. Yeah. You know, but it, it's funny because I watched, you know, like House of Cards, yeah, and, oh, but yeah. all like the campaign and um, uh, Eyes of March, you know, all those political movies that people are like, man, does that really happen? <laughs> um, and after we got elected, my wife and I watched them again. Like, man, it's some of that spot on. <laughs> and then someone was like, we're waiting for that to happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God dang, man. I yeah. hope you don't get thrown in front of a metro. Or I know. I don't ride the metro anymore yeah. just because of that. <laughs> Now you have a twin brother. I do, identical twin brother. An yeah. identical good twin looking bro- son of a bitch, man. <laughs> <laughs> He's a handsome bastard. It's always nice to encounter a man of that kind of good hey, looks. You know, I'm an ugly man. He's a good looking dude. <laughs> <laughs> I'm telling you, man, personality is everything. But you have an incredible military history. Thank you. Um we're all obviously proud and honored of your service as a Navy SEAL. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? That was it was the the, the greatest job that I never had. Right, never went to work, and you know, we, we didn't go to work. You know, it was a it was a, one of those growing up in the country playing. We played army back in the kit back in the day because you nobody knew what a seal was, but Rambo was a big deal, right? Yeah, right. Um, yeah. Closest so, thing you can get to Rambo. Closest thing, right? <laughs> <clears throat> and luckily, I had Marcus too, and he, he's a seal as well. Yeah. So. <laughs> Where we came, again, a little bitty town, 
in Texas. Nobody had heard of a seal. Nobody, we didn't know any of them. And, but we made, Mark, my brother and I made up our minds in our early teens that that's what we were going to do. And no believers, right? No (laughs) believers whatsoever. Right. But that's what we wanted. Mm -hmm. And that's what we went after. And both of us ended up making it. And I got to tell you, there's certain aspects of it that are, it, Great! That it was the greatest experience of my life, and I am so happy I did it. Put me on a trajectory that got me where I am today, made me the man I am, allows me to do the things and have the latitudes that I have because of the confidence it instilled in me going through the training. But being next to individuals who were champions, yeah, right. You always hear the phrase, "Show me your friends, I'll show you your future." Mm-hmm. So when you surround yourself with champions, like the men and the women that serve in special warfare, you don't have anything but the ability to do great things. Because even if you're mediocre, you're still at that. And they hold you. Okay, we eat our own. Yep. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. I, I'm not a victim of two wars. Right? I don't have post-traumatic stress. Right? I, I spent my entire career giving that shit to other people. It was damn good at it. <laughs> <laughs> and, so, and my teammates were too. Yep. <laughs> but I look back on my service and was, you know, as someone I say this, I don't mean this in a bad way. I just don't have any other way to articulate it, but I was blessed to be able to fight in two wars. Mm-hmm. You know, being a team guy, and our skill sets are basically blowing shit up and killing people. Mm-hmm. Taking the bad off the planet, right? Yep. And I had the opportunity to do that with my teammates, and we, we were very effective at it and loved every second of it. Amazing. And when it was time for me to turn the page and start a new chapter, which was challenging getting out. Well, and, you were injured. I was, I was, I, I, I did. I, I, I got injured. I, I would, I actually would be retired by now, but <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I did fourteen years uh, medically retired at, at fourteen years, which a blessing and a curse, nonetheless. But again, I, I, I had I transitioned and, and moved on from it, but would not change a thing. It, the good, bad, and indifferent. One of the things that you don't expect. Because when you come out of the, those training cycles, when I say you think you're superhuman or superman or superwoman, you all, I mean, that's, that's just the mentality you have. Yeah. And when we started losing guys, I lost four roommates, two best friends, and oh. I lost my brother for five days. I've been to more funerals. Mm. I mean, I'm tattooed from wrist to shoulders with memorials. Mm. I'm the most tattooed man in Congress, by the way. <laughs> that is, that's I, need a, I need a Guinness thing for that. Yeah. Have you checked AOC? I'm not. I, I haven't. <laughs> you know, she, we've never actually spoken. Okay. That's good. But in one thing that you you don't really appreciate before you get in is the fact that you're going to lose loved ones. Yeah. And I'm talking about my teammates. And I brought my teammates home, and my family loved them. And everybody that met them loved them, right? So you cast this net that you don't um, expect to do when you when you're so close to somebody that you'll you'll die for them. I mean mm-hmm. that's what the the, the community is about, right? And then where I come from, they think the same way. So when we lose them, the, the community grieved, right? The world yeah. grieves, that every family grieves, and you mm-hmm. just I mean you're losing a brother, and there my mom and dad lost some sons, yeah. <clears throat> and that that was you don't you can't get used to that. You don't understand it. It's just one of those things. But you move forward. You celebrate their life. Every single day. Every time, I, every time I don't have long sleeves on, I look at my arms, I, I think about one operation on this one, one operation on this one, 31 on this one, 19 on this one, you know, that kind of thing. Hmm. But that's okay. I mean, we signed up for it. There is, in my opinion, no greater glory than to give your life for your country and your brothers hmm. doing what you love doing. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's in large part why you chose to do what you're doing now. 
It is. I'm doing this. I, I'm here for my sons, and I don't want to be here because I'm away from my sons. That is a challenging part for yeah. this for this job. I'm, it's the we, hardest part about being in Congress. It is. It is. And I, you know, my sons are six and ten. Mm. Yeah. You know, my ten year old struggling with it. Yeah. And that's that's unfortunate. Luckily for you know, you got Zoom and all that other stuff. I can. They're out of school now. Job my wife crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Poor thing. <laughs> Just nothing but sports. You got to get them in. Just oh man, they're everything from. I mean, we're racing motorcycles, bicycles. We're in jujitsu, basketball, baseball. I'm inundating with them, inundating them with something outside. Team sports. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, by the way that we, I was raised is like when the sun's up, you're out. Don't come back. Figure out something to do, and that's oh, how. That's right. They used to lock us out. I lock us outside. Yeah. <laughs> in the country, there weren't street lights. It's like, what, just come back. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I feel like I have to be at least the next day before they come looking. Yeah, for yeah. Twenty four hours. <laughs> I I think in um, in special forces and, and sort of like small unit operations. I think in all the stories I've ever heard from people, what I find most fascinating is how much it requires you to think on your feet and improvise because you are sort of a small unit and crazy things can happen in some of these operations. I'm curious, like, what's the craziest thing that ever happened, you know, on an operation that, that is, you can that talk is, about? That is definitely declassified. Yeah, definitely declassified. Um, <laughs> so, so innovative creative thinking and problem solving is a must-have yeah. in an individual that's in the communities. And I don't care what's, what branch you're in. When, if you're in those communities, you have to do that. Right? There's no there's no pub, there's no manual, there's no set of directions that say you follow this. Matter of fact, in naval special warfare, there's no like in the army, they have these platoon leadership books and mm -hmm. tactics and books mm -hmm. and manuals and pubs and all that kind of. We don't have that in NSW because mm -hmm. tactics change every every deployment. Yeah, right. So we just we rely on the the subject matter experts that are coming back from the war zone to instruct everybody, and we go mm -hmm. forward and change it. The most um, well, okay. So there's one that always comes to mind. When I think of oh my god, how did we get through it? It was underwater. Oh, nice, right? Uh, well, lock, locking out of a submarine. Wow. What? And, yeah, locking out of a submarine. So my first command was uh, Seal Delivery Vehicle Team One. It's out in Hawaii. Most people don't know about this command. It's all um, the every, it's all done from the water to the land. Mm -hmm. So if you think of all the countries that are nefarious actors around the country, they have water in proximity. Yeah. Or th put that in perspective. Water's always cold. Always. Make no mistake about it, always. Yeah. I mean... In Hawaii, I mean, the Pacific... Even in Hawaii, cold. it's cold. Yeah. <laughs> People think Hawaii, it's warm. No, the, cold, the, the coldest my brother ever was, he told me his story, the coldest I ever was was uh, diving in Hawaii. <laughs> I don't want to kill myself. <laughs> uh, so this particular uh, evolution, if you will, this was, this was a training... I'll, I'll do a training evolution. That way okay. we don't have to get into the, into, the, into the blood and guts of it all. Um, underwater... And we had come off a sub in our little mini submersible that takes us a great distance, right? So we don't have to swim it. Yeah. And we were in dry suits because the water was so cold. And in the middle of the night, the bottom of the ocean, it's it's black beyond black. I mean, it's just something that. Are you doing like GPS at that point? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah. you got your you got your nav boards and you're following yeah. the compass and well, it's all all the craziness that happens underwater. And the greatest part about it is nobody knows that we messed up. We just you figure it out underwater. I mean, the worst things that imaginable happen underwater, but when we come to the surface, everybody's like, "Oh, they're great." No, no, that's not how that happens. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a lot of shit went down underneath there. Oh my gosh! I mean, I, you that's know, it's kind of like politics. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but how about yeah, exactly? How'd y'all figure that out? I mean, it was perfect the whole yeah. time. Everybody had a plan. We executed. Plan. <laughs> we actually, yeah, yeah, plan, yeah, plan your dive, dive your plan. That never works. 
anyway, uh, we were locked. We were coming out. We 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 came up as shallow as we could. We, we bottomed out our little SDV, and we were coming out. And underwater, you have tap code. You can't see. You just feel. So we have tap codes. Everything is numbered. We have little indicators on all our gear. I was a four man, three man, two man, one man. Right. Yeah. And it's a little it's a sniper element that was coming out. I came out of the I came out of the boat first, and I did not get all of the air out of my dry suit. And when I did, I came out and my feet went right above my head. Mm-hmm. Okay, uh, my dry suit was camouflage, but again, it was in the middle of the night. And as I rocketed to the started rocketing to the service, I had the regulator, the air hose in my mouth, and I grabbed a hold of the line, and I I couldn't reach my my demand valve to let the air out. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm floating above the. I can I can look down. I can't. I can make out because when you move underwater, the mm-hmm. bio, it's called bioluminescence. Mm-hmm. It glows a little bit, right? Yeah. So I can see the guys down there working, and you're just up. But I'm up there. Okay, so, but I'm the I'm the first man out. So here comes everybody else, right? And we what, what we're doing is we're changing. We're changing out of our dive gear and putting on in our in on on our combat gear underwater. <laughs> Jesus. And they're starting to hand everything out, and as they're transitioning, the whole time, and the water was freezing cold. Mm. And the one thing that you can't cover up in a dry suit is your hands and your face, mm-hmm. right? So my mouth is so cold and numb, I'm losing the ability to clench down on the regulator, and my hands are so cold, I'm starting to lose my grip. So I'm about to pop, lose grip, and float away, Ooh. upside down, in mm. the ocean, right? Done and done. Well... We go through these procedures of anything like this. If anything bad happens underwater, you're with a buddy, you know how to react, right? How to save a life. But this, and to your point, are there um, contingency plans? Well, right. this has never been, this has never happened. We yeah. know, we, we, they, they tell you specifically, get all the air out of your suit so this so doesn't happen. Right? Yeah. Here, here I am. That's you're the innovating. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, innovating. And they're like, if you, you know, if they can't reach your demand now, reach your, pull, grab your knife and stab your suit. Mm-hmm. But I couldn't reach my knife. It was oh. too far down my leg. Lesson learned, right? But now my, my knife's on my thigh, right? Oh. So as a, I had bitten through the regular the mouthpiece, and I was letting go. And I don't know the time frame, but I had made peace with God. I was like, I'm coming to see you, buddy. Oh. And my buddy, remember I told you tap codes and indicators? Mm-hmm. They finally realized I wasn't there. And looked up and grabbed me and pulled me back in, inside that boat. Wow. Right, right before I mean, I was probably had let go when I was I was gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he reached up and grabbed me and sucked me down back. In. <laughs> Holy smokes! Yeah, and uh, I I remember sitting down inside the boat and I was breathing breathing as hard as I could, just take as much air in as I could because I was starting to hyperventilate. But the beautiful part about it is, I got my breath, I changed out, and I went on a five day SR. <laughs> 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 and made, then, made was, some people pay for that. That, that was the end of it. You yeah. know, you, you just kind of tell that story later. It was no big deal. I mean, nobody died, so we're good. Yeah. Oh, you know, bad man. experiences have make great stories, right? You totally. know, I laugh about it now, but it was terrifying at the time. I just was thinking, hey, here I go, man. Near death experience. A lot, of, a lot of we've lost guys underwater. A lot. Of, that's the. I used to say physics. The laws of physics don't they don't work underwater they're different yeah. it's just but that's not true it's the medium that changes everything because nothing moves like it should up here right and if you're not on your a game especially in the yeah. in the conditions that we're in you're, you're dead when well, composure is like absolutely, absolutely. you cannot freak out underwater in that environment yeah, yeah. It, 
Oh, it's wow. wild. Best yeah, window. It, it, it wasn't all in Hawaii. You spent some time in, in Afghanistan. Oh, that, Yeah, that particular op was, matter of fact, we were in uh, Seattle, Washington oh, when wow. that little gym happened. Mm. So you oh. imagine how cold that water yeah. is. Yeah. You know what's scariest I've scared, the most terrified I've ever been? Is I opened up the canopy of our little mini sub and there was a pot up killer whales swimming with us oh wow. no way no bro we, we have thoughts on they're, that they're, they're very dangerous program. animals but, but, but i tell you what i did t- i mean it scared me it petrified me they are killers they're <laughs> not named they, they don't killer whales for nothing they, they're not looking to hug you they, underwater no, they just no. like three yachts right you know yeah. there's there's only one documented case of a killer whale killing a human mm. outside of captivity documented mm-hmm. documented documented that's yeah, i wasn't gonna find out if they were yeah, but the just the size and being it was like from me to you. Yeah, yeah. right. I freak out. I like, oh my god, get me out of the water! I don't. I didn't even get water again. So you gutted no. the killer whales. No, it? yeah, man. That, that's <laughs> hey. There's he some things up we, on this thing. <laughs> it's a confirmed kill. Just, a, I mean, you want to talk about apex predator? Yeah, those guys. Oh yeah, yeah, mm, buddy. Yeah, yeah. When Shamu meant Morgan, it was a real problem. For sure. <laughs> that was. Or yeah, that was his family that were pissed and asking where he was at. Right. <laughs> Which it turns out that's what they do, right? They're sinking all kinds of yachts. Have you seen this? They they sink all kinds of boats now. They do not. I mean, they 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 they're so they're so brilliant. If they feel threatened. They're coming after you, and they don't forget. Yeah, they're smart. It's like elephants. <sighs> got big teeth too. Oh. They got well, big teeth. Just, but negotiating with killer whales is one thing. When you're in Afghanistan negotiating with what was on the other side of us there, that is a much, much more complicated task. And you were talking about being on your A-game, and you were talking about that there's no, there's no book for what you're supposed to do in yeah, a difficult yeah, situation. Yeah. I can't imagine there's a book written for exactly what you're supposed to do when you're in Afghanistan and you're trying to figure out how to negotiate with the other side. Yeah, that lends itself to the you know to innovative, creative, out-of-the-box thinkers, problem-solvers. You know, you have to you have to assess a problem set early on, and no knee jerk reactions. Always let it develop. You know, even up here when people are like, "Oh my God, we're freaking out. This is this is catastrophic." It's like, look, guys and gals, nobody's shooting at us up here. It's not mm-hmm. that big of a deal. Yeah, right. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Seriously, I, that's my that's my baseline. There's nobody's shooting at us up here. Take a wrap off for a second. Mm-hmm. And but over in, over in the Middle East and Afghanistan, Iraq, whichever. You know, every tribe to tribe. It's different, mm. you know. There's there's different expectations, some different languages or dialects of languages, if you will. Yeah, you know and that getting things accomplished in with us with a society, generational society that you know all they know is violence and warfare. That's mm-hmm. they thrive on that over there. They do. And yeah, I mean for generations. Generations. Mm-hmm. They've yeah. been fighting for generations. Right. So when we were interacting with them trying to problem solve with them i mean not only you you're always apprehensive like all right and watching because they don't wear you you know everybody i I often think of how you know i say cool but i don't know if cool is the right word to use how cool it would have been to fight fight a fight an army that was in a uniform like oh that's that's who i got to go after because they were just amongst us and then it's you really had to be very self-aware yeah Mm -hmm. before they or they'd snatch you up um, but we were always successful, mm-hmm. and, and because we 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 had our mission set, we had our we had our you know we, our left and right flank, and we knew what we were trying to accomplish. And then you put a group of guys together that are hyper aggressive, with no sleep till it's done. You know, mm-hmm. we're not stopping until we win. Yep, that's you can't mm-hmm. stop that. No, 
No, I mean, you had a mission. You were going to go yeah. accomplish it. Come hell or high water. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's the U.S. military as a whole. I mean, yeah. that's just that's just how we're and that, you know, everything that's going on around the world with, with Russia and Russia and Ukraine and China and Iran and North Korea and you know I hear folks, especially back you know back in my district, just across the country, you know they're like, man, we hear you know the Spetsnaz are just killers and chi- the Chinese they're just a hundred to one. Mm. And I always say, hey, look, you know what? <laughs> tell you something you cut the marine corps loose stand by and watch they're the baddest some bitches that walk this planet and mean to boot and i, and I i'm a navy guy saying that about marines right right that takes that something. takes i mean it's hard to choke that up and spit that out That's, but we volunteer to yeah, fight yeah you know other countries they draft you in or it's mandatory service around here Man, you guys, guys and gals just itching to get into a mix. So you, you, you know, hey, you want to fight somebody who wants to come out there and kick your ass? God <laughs> dang, no, man. And I always, that's why I constantly build everybody up. I was like, hey, man, you don't, I know what you're seeing on TV and that, this, this, that, and the other. Man, make no mistake about it. The United States military is bad as some bitches on the planet. Yeah. Well, we need more people like you to talk about that because I feel like we're in a day and age when people in this country have lost sight of some of that it's it there is that 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 narrative is out there which sucks it does it does it does and i I hate the fact that somebody said this to me the other day like when you see the movies that are out and you read some of the books and articles it's always a tragedy when it's in the military you know you're gonna this is gonna happen to you this is inevitable you're gonna have post-traumatic stress this that people hey man no that's that's a small fraction of it that may happen the rest of it is the most amazing experiences ever people you meet places you go things you get to do you can do anything in the military. Great stepping stone. Well, they mold men like you. And it, here's a, a question for you. How much, given your choice of timing for running for Congress and ultimately being successful, how much was the eventual withdrawal of Afghanistan and the botched, absurd Biden administration imperative of getting out when they did without much of a plan? Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously leaving a ton of people behind. Sure, yeah. Uh, how, how much of that was instrumental in your decision-making about now's the time I need to get involved here? Uh, that obviously played a part in it. Yeah. You know, when you have a breakdown in leadership, that's a breakdown in leadership, break, breakdown in managerial skills. That's what that was. Yeah. You know, um, where I landed is oversight of that and holding people accountable. That's yeah. what legislators do, right? We, we make laws and we hold people accountable. We found out if there's an error in law, if there's an absence of a law or there's a change that needs to be in law, that's where we come in as legislators. The, I, I, I sit back because I wasn't there, right? And I, and I don't armchair quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing, it, 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 being read in where I'm at now, when you have DOD and State Department, make those, we're not buddies. DOD and State no, Department don't no, like no. each other at all. It's just, and I'll argue that all day long. Different ideologies, different concepts of operations, how things function, who's running the show, how far down in organizations, who's responsible for that. The old carrot and stick. Carrot and stick. There you go. Yeah. So as, it, as I understand it, as it was handed off, one one concept of op was passed off it was shot down president with no, went with the another opera concept of operations and this is what we saw right mm-hmm. to date no one has been held accountable yeah i know and i just i that, i can't get my head around that i i know of a i know of something that happened not too long ago in the military and they hung 11 people for it mm-hmm. they i mean they removed 11 people from duty and then 13 
of our service members were killed over there and not one person was held accountable yeah and on on house armed services committee we're, we've been dig- they've been digging into that uh, we've dug into it we're still going as far deep as you- when you have an individual at a certain level that is not willing to hold people accountable but they're the top line yeah mm-hmm. Not much you can do. Not yeah. much you can do. But you keep on digging, and that's what we appreciate. I hope you continue to do oh, that. We I are, know buddy. you will. Yeah, no, no, I know you are. will. And there's 80 veterans now in yeah, the House I, of Representatives. That's the thing, right? Yeah. I mean, and I think we've had a fair number on the, in the Republican <clears throat> side here. It is like a rebirth almost. It is. And it's on both sides. There's a. I was at an event. This guy, the new uh, congressman, introducing himself to me and to the group, and He's a military guy, mm-hmm. and he goes, you know, my last, my last op before I, I rode a desk and got out was an operation in Afghanistan. Mm-hmm. He's standing right here, right here in front of me, uh, and Democrat. The last operation in Afghanistan, we went out, and we, had, we were able to save one man. He was the air officer for it. It was, it was Marcus, my brother. Wow. wow. He was the air op- officer for the operation to save my brother. Yeah, dude, I walked over and gave him a hug, and I was like, you... It's, it's, how long have you been sitting on that little gym? <laughs> was that? that was, how'd you become a lib? <laughs> but he knows so that. Well, you know, I'm kind of like, hey man. But uh, those are so that is an instant connection. Yeah, and I have can, can have conversations with him. Yeah. He's from, he's from Colorado. Great that, guy. So was that Operation Red Wings? Is that what that was? The the Operation Red Wing was the operation my brother the and his teammates one. were on. Yes, and then the rescue operation that right. went in. To get to he was the air officer for that. Yeah. Unbelievable. Yeah. How cool wow. is that, right? Incredible. That's incredible. Yeah. And actually, his office is right across the hall from mine. Is that right? Yeah. I'll stop in there all the time and just thank him. And, you know, hey, bro, appreciate you. You need anything? You know, that kind of thing. Well, wow. listen, I mean, look, you get, you get a lot of that. And people have, look, it was a big deal to have military service in the 70s, 80s, yeah. and 90s. We lost some of that in the 2000s. It's now coming back. But one of the reasons beyond just serving your country and proving that you can serve your country and you're committed to your country, it's important in representing your country. It's also what you've just demonstrated by talking about all of this. You're thoughtful about stuff. You think about things. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're contemplative about issues. You're not reactive. And it, it, I look, I think that's really important. You know, I've seen the best and worst in humanity, totally. in my opinion. You know, there's people who've seen a lot worse than me, but I've seen how bad it can really get. And I understand, you know, and I come from a very conservative district, and I was raised in my district. Yeah. You know, and I speak their language. That was one of the things that got me into this position is, like, I was from there. Yeah. I'm cultured. I understand and appreciate that there's not another district, not only in the state, but in the country, that's like mine. But I understand that 800,000 people have an opinion (laughs) in every other district in the continent of the United States Mm -hmm. that don't believe the same way that I do. And if we're going to live in harmony in this country you got to appreciate where i'm coming from i appreciate where you're coming from let's meet somewhere right in here hey i'm in the majority we're going to inch this way you're in the majority you got the power mm-hmm. yeah you know you have to respect that uh it's, it's you just, know, there's 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 members up there that i have no political alignment with zero <laughs> i mean we couldn't be further away from each other politically but i have i have a cordial relationship with them and they yeah. just i mean they ask me great you know the conversations that we have are great but when it's time for me to key up or them to key up i sit back and let them speak the word of 800,000 people that they represent. Yeah. And then I step in and I speak for District 8. Yeah. 
Totally. Listen, sometimes you got to see some shit to understand some shit. I think that's the case with Morgan Luttrell. Hey, uh, I got three questions for you. Later, I'm ready. We do this for everybody. Later, I'm ready. All right? I'm ready. Your last meal on earth. If you can plan it, what would it be? Oh, okay. That's easy. Because I I eat the same meal for my birthday. Yeah. Okay. All right. You're on my same wave. Fried chicken. Okay. Mm. Macaroni and cheese. (laughs) Shells. Green beans. Fresh with bacon. Yeah. Mm. Mashed potatoes with the skin left on with sour cream inside. Oh, yeah. Corn on the cob. Oh. (laughs) And a big old glass of sweet tea. (laughs) (laughs) And that's Mark's, my brother Mark's now, my, my mother, she makes that for us every birthday. Wow. Is that right? Well, yeah, that's absolutely. a hell of a tradition. Yep, yeah, oh. it is. And since our, since we were, I can remember. Obviously, it wasn't from birth, but since I can remember, that's what we've always had. And my, <laughs> my mama actually taught my wife how to make that too. So is that right? My wife Leslie, she makes it. Oh, as well. next yeah, generation. It. Yeah, I mean, I'm talking brown bag, bag fr- fried chicken. You know, <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, you oh, shake yeah. that. Thanks thing? all day. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love that man. That's yeah. so good, and that's, it's super country. Oh, but I mean, God, I'm, I love me some fried chicken. <laughs> I love that. All right, all right. So usually, this question goes to people who've been in politics for a long time. You haven't been, uh, and the question is, if you weren't doing this and you had this big blue sky in the middle of your life that you could do anything with, what would you fill it with? we got to go back a little bit with you, right? So let's say your professional career, let's say you have 20 years in smack dab middle of your life, that you could go back and do anything you wanted with it with the benefit of retrospect. What would it be? It would be a hay farmer. (laughs) Hmm. Swear to God. All right, let's hear it. I would. I'd be a hay farmer. I'd be a rancher. Yeah? Yeah, it's the hardest job in the country. But it's the most blissful. You get on your tractor all day long cutting hay, moving cattle, working horses. Nobody's yelling at you, screaming at you, shooting at you, throwing things at you. The only thing you got to do is make sure they survive so you can survive. And there's something to be said about that. Hard days work. It's a hard day where you you wake up in the morning before the sun comes up, you're working. And when that sun goes down, you're sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. And then everything you do in between takes, takes care of your family, takes care of the rest of the country. Right, oh, yeah. man, bailing hay—that's the hardest job. If, I tell you what, if you if they, for the parents out there, if you've got sons or daughters that are misbehaving, make them yeah. go find you a ranch that throws hay. Yeah, walk them out there and say you're doing this for a summer. So I had, I had see a, what happens. I had a buddy who bailed hay for a summer, and the one thing I'll never forget is how many cuts he had on the inside of his forearms on both sides and the things were basically scars for about six months <laughs> it's brutal that's brutal work i mean it yeah it's throwing it and stacking it on a trailer out in the field is one thing put it back in the barn is the worst part yeah because you got to unload it all again and restack it and you got to yeah. stack it right or fall down <laughs> you know every, you know i'm talking square bells yeah i'm not talking about them brown bells so i'm talking yeah. about square yeah and everybody you do alfalfa because that weighs about as much as i do wow Man, have a good dinner with the kids. Put them to bed. Say a prayer. Yeah. Good good night. And do it. Oh, again. they get up. So when my we I grew up on a horse ranch. So when we got up before the sun came up, mm-hmm. Marks and I had to go out and feed water the horses before the school bus showed up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and got home, had to do our homework, then do our chores, feeding water the horses. Mama had supper ready. We ate, went to bed. Yeah, that was our week. And then Saturday, did whatever we want. Sunday went to church. I want to meet Mr. and Mrs. Luttrell. Yeah. I mean, oh, man. My mom, yeah. she well, see, but, but, sitting here looking at me and everything that I've been through. My mother is a project of the 60s. She's a hippie, and I mean hardcore still. Really? <laughs> and my daddy was an outlaw. 
<laughs> this is what you get. Yeah. That's how you make the Latrell. That's yeah. how you like the Latrell brothers, man. <laughs> it's like a country song. Yeah, it should be. It is. I it mean, should gosh, be. Money. Can, can I throw in one more question here? Are you going to? I just the, think it's only before fitting. Before we get to the last one. So, well, since he raised the the idea of a killer whale. Oh yeah. Okay. So we we talk a lot about animal fighting on this podcast. <laughs> and there's one guy who's not here who claims that he could take a horse in a in a fight he Which is nonsense. Could, it is nonsense. He does that's claim what he that. claims. Yeah. What kind of horse are we talking about? Like a Shetland or a it, Welsh pony or it, Well that's what we would say. Not a Clydesdale. He likes us to think it's a Bergeron. <laughs> <laughs> what, <laughs> what Which are aggressive. Yeah. Very <laughs> So what? So the question that we have for you is a question we talk about often. If you were to think about the biggest, baddest animal that you could take, mano a mano, what do you think? And win would? or lose, or does it matter? And win, or just stand win. up to and it. win. Stand, oh. Standing up, and you could you could define standing up to the animal and surviving it as winning. Yeah, you can you, whatever you'd like. All right. Um, Man, that's a great question. It does, you know what? Have you ever seen the movie The, <laughs> the Revenant? The best part yeah. is yes. that Morgan is well, like, okay, hey, so. If you ever, if you ever well, seen the movie The Revenant. Yes. Them two, I remember them two, them two teenagers that got in a fight with. One of them got attacked by a grizzly bear, and his buddy jumped on the bear, and the bear turned on him and went to work on him, and yeah. they saved each other. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's. That's, that's some shit. That's that, love. That, that, <laughs> and, uh, it also qualifies. It, yeah. Hey, um, man, it, you see, well, winning is a different thing. Because I was going to say. I was going to say. Yeah. Have you ever had your ass kicked? There's some time. No, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're from the Midwest. Okay, yeah, right. okay well, you guys, you guys fight for your ass kicked. Yeah. Everybody here, it gets cold, you guys it's fight. It's a rite of yeah. passage. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's get, get, gets cold, you guys fight. Yeah. <laughs> it's all you got. It's, it's hot where we from. We fight all the time. It's get <laughs> cold, you fight. That's a true statement, though. It's a fact. It's a fact. Man, I got in a, I got in a pretty good scrap with a bobcat one day no really yeah i was out running wow wait are you serious so this thing like started stalking you uh i ran up on it and scared him as much as he scared me i had my dog with me uh which he didn't do a damn thing <laughs> <laughs> and that uh, i was shocked at how fast those things were yeah, yeah. and uh he actually got a hold of my hand oh uh, scratched me up pretty good but your i was right, able to, your right hand yeah i'm right i don't are you have right handed i'm well, it all depends. Oh, uh, is this, this is a seal answer. Yeah, yeah. yeah I will. Okay. Whatever hand you got. Well, there you go. <laughs> I, mean, I got a lot of weapons on me. I, I grew up right-handed, uh -huh. and I got to Bud's seal training and found out I was left-eye dominant, and they uh -huh. were like, if you want to, you need to switch. Mm -hmm. Really? Yeah, so I switched, and I'm left-handed, everything except for writing and throwing. Really? Wow. Yeah. They know what they're doing. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. I digress. Where was I going? No, so, you, so you, oh, the bobcat, the bobcat. Yeah, so I actually got it off of me. It ran, and I trust me, I ran. Uh, there was actually a. I came out of the parking lot, dock in the box, and I walked in. And my hand was bloody, not bad, but it just looked like a cat got a hold of me. Yeah. yeah. And Would I was you, like, do I need to get a tetanus shot or anything? He's like, nah, we don't have that around here. Wait, really? <laughs> so I, said, I was like, <laughs> come on. I was like, okay. They're like, no, no treatment, no treatment. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> Still, still looking for that damn bobcat though I had this whole because then after that because the park walks around this river and I was like alright as a team guy if he comes back at me I'm going to grab him I'm going to jump in the river I'm going to drown his ass <laughs> <laughs> I never saw him again I yeah. guess he got enough he's a seal you got to take him hey, to, man. You take him to your, yeah, I go your to the water you go, go to the water, water. <laughs> I'll take I, I'll challenge man I, I go to the water you better hope there's not a body of water around even if I'm almost 50 I still if somebody's 
fucking with me. <laughs> right to the I always water. look around if there's a swimming pool or a pond somewhere and be like, hey, man. <laughs> it's like a gator. But if, gator roll. Yeah, yeah. Right. But if there's not, I'm like second. I'm like, all right. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. That's an excellent answer. Dang, it's man, it's so true. Good. It's so good. All right, so last question. This is a little bit esoteric. So you okay. got to... Our view is that most successful people are motivated by one of two things, the thrill of victory or the agony of defeat. And it's not that anybody enjoys losing or that anybody doesn't like winning. Yep. It, it, it's that what motivates you to keep improving yourself, to keep going to that next level. And like the, the baseline that we always use on this is like Michael Jordan is the ultimate agony of defeat guy. Every championship he had, he celebrated for like two minutes. Mm -hmm. But like if you insulted him on the court, it, 35 years oh, yeah. later, he's still talking about it. Yeah, yeah, right? he remembers it, exactly yeah. how it happened. Yeah. Right, right. So, and the other side is that on the thrill of victory is just like consummate optimist, glass half full, keep pushing forward mm -hmm. and, and know that you can get to the next self-motivated stage by seeing a goal and directing yourself towards it. Okay. So where do you see on the spectrum? Where do you find yourself? That's pretty. That's a that's a that's a very complex question. It is a lot yeah. of intangibles in there. Tons. Good. All right. Um. Let me see if I can peel this onion back. So I've learned more and gained more in all of my failures than I yeah. ever have in any of my successes or victories. Mm -hmm. Right. Yep. And I've learned more and felt more gratitude along the way before the race than I ever did when I was running it or won it. Oh, interesting. Right? Okay, yeah. Um, there's nothing more gratifying than kicking everybody's ass <laughs> yeah, right. in first place. Yeah. Right? There's not. But I think there's a good synergy between the two for me. Mm -hmm. Right? And um, like Andre Agassi said it best, man, because he all the way to the top, and then he talks about going all the way to the bottom mm -hmm. with all of his addiction problems and everything that he had going on and the, and the, the struggle he had to get back to number one. And then he talks about what it was. He goes, it, it was it was so precious for me to be number one uh, initially, but I didn't know what I had. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then when I lost it all and got it again, I did. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I always remember to him, I read that. He didn't tell me that. I read that. And uh, I, I, I use that perspective that's in good. life now. That's good. Hmm. You know what I mean? So that's, best, that's probably the best way I could. Yeah. yeah. It takes both of them to make me whole. Yeah. yeah. No, it makes a ton of sense. A healthy amount of agony of defeat in order to appreciate. Man, if you don't take yourself outside your comfort zone frequently, you you lose so much ambition. You lose so much just life experiences. Yeah, mm -hmm. which I, I think you know. I, I wish people would do that, and, and I don't care what it is. Yeah. Right, I tell people it's like, hey, you want people? Are like, hey, what was Hell Week like? What was it like being in war? How do I challenge myself? You want to challenge yourself? There's no shit. If you want to challenge yourself, wake up Saturday morning and walk fifty miles. Mm. Don't stop. You don't have to run. Walk fifty miles straight. You will you will endure more physical and mental pain. And I'm not, don't train for it. Cold bore it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And see how far you go. I, and I've had one person take me up on it. And he called me about mile 32. He's like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, first I've ever gone is four miles. Mm. And he made it to mile 32. And uh, <laughs> he told me he passed out on a Waffle House sidewalk. <laughs> he did. Which is a dangerous I hope place. he hears this. Um, and yeah, it's a dangerous oh, Absolutely. You know, no telling what happens when that place. <laughs> yeah. I love Waffle House, but I'm saying. And uh, he called he called me the next day and told me that happened. And I was like, all right, you know, and I, I let him go. And I, I called him back a couple of days later and I was like, 
tell me what you learned about yourself because he went from four miles to 32 miles yeah he's like i learned more about myself in that distance between four and 32 than i have in mind he's a kid 20 he's like 22 years old Mm. he's like i was like now you know where your bar's at you're at 32 yeah take another step right Mm. just keep climbing yeah and uh i mean he he learned how far he could push himself before failure I want Morgan Luttrell to wake me up every morning. Yeah. <laughs> right? And just be like, hey, man, you think you can do this today? Yeah. <laughs> One more step. One more, yeah. One more round, man. Rocky said it One more round. One yeah. more round. Yeah. Dave, Gog- you guys, Dave Gog is good, but you guys know who that is? Dave yeah. Gog? Oh, yeah. Sure. Okay. He been on your show yet? No, no, no <laughs> but he's like ultra marathon guy, right? Like, yeah, he's probably the, he, arguably I would say the most mentally gifted man on the planet, right? Yeah. And just the way, just him. He's a very quiet guy. Mm-hmm. No, he's a good buddy of mine. Um, very quiet guy but i mean when he turns on stand by yeah. i mean he'll let you know about it right yeah and uh I, just some some of the things that uh and i take a lot from i got i, I ran ultra marathons because because of a buddy of mine that asked me to do it we called david said hey how do we get through this and of course he's like don't be a fuck pussy <laughs> <laughs> that's all i need to know Okay, I got. I can. I can do that. Well, that well, was easy. Now, now I'm check. Now I'm in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but the whole walk fifty miles thing is a great test for someone who is who thinks that they need a challenge in their life, and it's it's doable. I love. And then if, if I've had somebody was like, "Well, I'm in a wheelchair. And I don't got a gimp. My hip, my hips out. My legs out." I was like, "All right, wake up every morning at four o'clock and get in a cold shower for thirty days straight." It'll change your life. Mm-hmm. First couple of days, you amp yourself up. You're motivated, absolutely. About five to ten, five days, day five to day 15, you want to kill yourself. And day 20, you live for it. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. This you is live so, for this it. This is so great. Mm-hmm. I wish we could do like four hours. With more <laughs> yeah. Me too. I feel like I'm just getting, I'm going to run through a brick wall. Hey, man, right. I mean, you got to cool live man. life to the fullest, man. Life's, uh, life's a garden, right? You got to dig it. I mean, <laughs> To, to, to compliment Joe Dirt. Listen, yeah. for, for all... <laughs> Joe Dierte. Dierte, don't French it up, buddy. <laughs> for all of our listeners who want to follow along, help you out, where do they go? So, uh, my official website is um, uh, latrellathouse.com. That's good Shows staff Yeah, yeah, yeah com, And then um, Mojo Latrell is Instagram, I think. And then, um, uh, if you Google my name, you can find I, man, I you just, can find all this. I got more stuff going on in social media. Yeah. yeah. We'll find We'll you. get that to you. We'll, we'll get that to you later. I'll send you a memo. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's ever asked me how they follow me before. I'm like, mm. <laughs> we just I'll come out. see you. You don't have to follow me. Yeah, no, seriously. I have a feeling you're gonna show up in my creek. Uh Morgan Luttrell, thank you so much for coming. No, in. thanks, guys. I enjoyed it. We didn't it. It know awesome. you bef- before this, but I feel like you're an old friend at this point. Thank, thank you so much I appreciate for coming it, man. in. Absolutely, guys. I enjoyed it. That was awesome. Take care. All right absolute banger of an episode if i may say so myself thank you so much to the good congressman for doing our live in-person interview in our new studio and thank you so much to our listeners and our viewers on youtube so until next time minions keep the faith hold the line and own the lives we'll see you on tuesday stay ruthless